Welcome to the podcast that will teach you how to successfully invest in and build steady streams of passive income from the highly lucrative niche of mobile home park investing. Veteran real estate investors Kevin Bupp and Charles Dehart from Mobile Home Park Academy will personally share with you the valuable lessons they've learned along their journey as mobile home park investors so that you too can learn how to build massive cash flow and huge profits from this extremely lucrative niche. So without further ado, let's welcome your hosts for today's show, Kevin Bupp and Charles Dehart. Welcome guys and gals to the Mobile Home Park Academy's weekly podcast. We'll provide all the information that you need to know to successfully locate, negotiate, close on, and make huge profits from the lucrative niche of mobile home park investing. I'm your host, Kevin Bupp, along with my co-host and business partner, Charles Dehart. Charles, happy New Year's, man. Yeah, happy New Year's. Yeah, yeah. So tell me about what's your what's your New Year's resolution, huh? Oh, I didn't even make one. Ah, didn't even make one. That's funny. Huh? I, I, <laughs> my resolution is not to resolve. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing. Actually, you know what? Let's make a resolution right now to buy more parks than what we did last year. Right? Yep. Or, or Sounds good. More pads, more pads, more parks, whatever you want to call it. Let's say more pads because that's really the more relevant uh, determining factor is the number of pads, not the necessary number of parks because we don't want to buy 10, 10 space parks. So, <laughs> Yeah. And we can also add maybe help more of our listeners buy their first park. There we go. Which we're, which we're going to be doing. That, yeah. that, that, that we will do. In fact, uh, I, I don't know how many people we helped last year. It, we, you know, we need to do a better job of keeping track of that. But I can tell you that we, uh, we, we know for a fact of the people we've spoken with and people we walked through deals with and we worked with that um, we've helped a lot of people buy their first park in 2016. So we just we need to do a better job of tracking that. And I think it would make it a lot easier here in 2017 with the Academy, being that we're about to launch it, um, we'll be able to track those numbers. And uh, I don't know, man, I'm I'm pretty confident that we should be able to hit like a, a 50 number, a minimum of helping 50 people buy their first park this year. At least I think that's a very attainable goal. So let's let's make it 50 if you're cool with that. I'm cool with that, yeah. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, a lot for, of work, but yeah, it's, for, the, cool. for those that are listening out there, if you want to be one of those 50, then um, just keep staying tuned to what we're doing here. Charles and I got some pretty cool announcements coming up here. Uh, we're really literally weeks away from from launching the Academy. And so it's going to be awesome. It's going to just chock full of incredible information. Nothing out there like this. I know there's other some other trainings out there on the marketplace um, that teach about mobile home park investing. Not many, really. Actually, it's pretty limited. But um, this this is by far the most comprehensive mobile home park training that you'll ever lay your eyes on. It really is. It really literally is just our internal business flipped inside out and, um, and, and, and presented in a manner that you can learn from, that you can literally follow step-by-step um, instructions on how to build your business the exact same way that we built ours. So um, pretty excited about that, Charles, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. I'm actually working on a lot of that right now. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Good deal. Good deal. Well, in today's show, you know, Charles and I, we, we always um, try to come up with topics that we feel are, are both relevant as well as, um, you know, educational for you guys. I mean, we don't want to just get on the show and babble back and forth about mobile home parks, how they're so great. We really want to actually share educational content that you guys can use and put into action. And so we always find that it's helpful if we can take some uh, scenarios or maybe some challenges that we're actually dealing with in our current business with maybe parks that we own or that we have in contract, and we can kind of relate to you guys what we're dealing with, how we're handling it, how or how we've overcome something. And so today there's two topics that we want to discuss. Um, one's on a park that we currently own in North Carolina, and another one is on a park that we're currently in contract on. So uh, one we own and one that we have under contract. 
And so the first one is actually on a park that we own. Uh, we purchased it about, a, I guess, a little over a year ago. And uh, basically in this park, we, we purchased it. It had a lot of vacant pads in it, about 50 vacant pads. It's a pretty large park. And... Um, we knew this going in. We did our homework ahead of time, um, meeting with the city, uh, met with the mayor and, and, and the staff there, and uh, knew that they, they hated mobile home parks. And uh, we knew there was an age restriction in place that was set by this local town uh, that basically prohibited us bringing in homes uh, older than a certain age. In fact, it was 10 years. And uh, we didn't like it. We didn't argue too much about that point in time. Um, but we knew that at some point we would have to you know take that thing head on and, and find out whether or not they were going to... Um, work out some kind of middle ground with us where we could start bringing homes into filling these vacant pads or if we're going to have to get an attorney involved. And so I'm going to talk about that today a little bit because we actually have engaged in a, a law firm, um, a law firm that is um, very up to speed with uh, with this type of law. And there's a lot of case, um, case law out there uh, pertaining to age restrictions and towns and municipalities and trying to enforce age restrictions. And actually, where park owners came out victorious. So uh, I'm going to talk about that a little bit. And then uh, the second topic that we're going to discuss is on a park in Florida that we have under contract in Central Florida, where currently today um, the zoning it's, it's basically it's considered an illegal park, and so the underlying zoning doesn't support uh, the use of a park, and so we're actually in contract on it. But while we're in contract, we are actually changing, working to change the status from illegal to legal, and so uh, we've Charles is going to talk about that. He's kind of spearheading that project. Um, very informational because it's one of those things where Charles really he did a phenomenal job at negotiating uh, this park because it was Charles really found out what the um, what the needs of the seller were in this situation. It wasn't necessarily like highest and best offer type scenario, and uh, we just found out the needs of the seller. Dealt with him uh, not necessarily directly. There was a broker involved, and um, dealing with this underlying issue of the park being illegal versus legal, um, Charles was able to negotiate a, a, really a win win, giving us the time to help change things around to get it to a legal status, so we had no banking issues and getting a loan on the property, and uh, and, and met the seller's timelines as well. You know. With regards to you know his tax consequences, I, you know whether or not he needed to sell by the end of the year, or if it was okay if it transferred over to 2017. And so Charles and Charles and this seller worked directly hand in hand. It just really it's going to be a good story of you know how to change a park from a legal status to legal, but also how to find out really what the seller's needs are because it's not always just about the money. You know a lot of people think that if you just have the highest and best price, you'll get the deal. In this scenario, that wasn't the case. So, uh, but a few laundry list items that that we want to go through here real quick before we get onto those two topics of the discussion. Uh, first one. Just uh, we, we've been mentioning almost the same. These are kind of the redundant laundry list items, but we we like to mention them each and every week because we get new listeners each and every week, and so uh, we don't need to be re- redundant with these these laundry list items each and every time. But just know that there's new listeners that tune in each and every week, so we want to make sure that no one misses um, these updates. And so the first one is partnership opportunities. Uh, in fact, that uh, Orlando Park that I, or not Orlando, but Central Florida Park that I just mentioned to you, um, that's one of them that you know we'll be seeking uh, active partnerships on. We are. Pre- putting a fund together in 2017, which we're now, we're the second day into 2017, but we've got uh, some really cool updates on a, on a uh, real estate fund that we're putting together that we are looking for partners to be a part of. So if you have any interest whatsoever in partnering with Charles and I on either this deal or other deals that we're working on, we've got multiple deals under contract and many other in the pipeline, and we've got some big marketing efforts that we're about to push out as well. So 
we've got a very active year coming our way. And so if you have an interest in working with us um, and you want to speak about it in more detail, what you can do is send an email to partner at mobilehomeparkacademy.com. Again, partner at mobilehomeparkacademy.com. And that's an autoresponder email. So almost immediately you'll be sent back an email that contains some of our current offerings. In fact, I think in the email now by default is a uh, two-part portfolio in Charleston, West Virginia that we were looking for partners on. Uh, we do have a few other deals. We need to update that link, Charles, by the way. Um, <laughs> and uh, but, uh, but the more important thing in that email that you get back, uh, it's information about those West Virginia parks, but also there's a link in there to Charles and I's, um, our personal calendar. And so if you, if you have an interest, whether it's the West Virginia deal or any other parks we're working on, if you have an interest in potentially working together with us, Go ahead and schedule a time to talk with us. We'll get on the phone and uh, we'll, we'll find out what your interest levels are in this business and if it might be a good fit for us to work together, okay? Um, also, uh, just kind of reiterate about the academy that we've been working on. Charles, is, he's been busting his butt. I've been busting my butt. We've been doing a lot of uh, final touch-ups to the academy. It's, it's literally been a work in progress for over a year now. and um, But it's been it definitely it's going to be well worth the wait because it's just rock solid. There's tons of great information there. We're really looking looking forward to helping out a lot of people that have an interest in this business actually successfully get into it and make sure that they buy their first park and buy it right. And, uh, and not just buy it right, but operate it right as well because we're going to kind of – our, our Academy is going to consist of an A to Z type model. I mean, everything from marketing to negotiations to buying all the way to the operational side. And so that's going to be launching here in just a few weeks. Stay tuned. We'll be giving you updates here as they come, but uh, we're pretty darn close to it. Aren't we, Charles? I'd say we're a couple weeks away. I mean, definitely by the beginning of February is what we're looking at, right? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Definitely. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> Sounds good. And then, um, Two other things here I want to mention. Uh, if you're ever in Tampa Bay Market, this is Charles and I live in Clearwater, Florida. And uh, if you're ever local, if you're running through town or in here for business, whatever, look us up. Uh, shoot us an email, mobilehomeparkacademy at gmail.com. That's a general email that Charles and I both receive. We'd love to meet up with you if you have an extra minute. Grab a beer, grab a coffee, bite to eat, whatever it might be. We're, just, we're passionate about this business. We love meeting others that share the same passion. So it's kind of dorky and it's kind of nerdy that uh, that, you, that I even say that. It's, I make myself kind of giggle a little bit, Charles, when I tell people that I'm passionate <laughs> about mobile home parks. But uh, we really could sit down and talk about this stuff for hours on end. <laughs> but uh, so, so if, if you want to get caught up in an hour or two long conversation about mobile home parks and you're in the Tampa Bay area, hit us up. We'd love to meet with you. Okay. And it get actually, we talk even longer now if there's some beer involved, unfortunately. So, <laughs> no, but anyway, we'd love to meet you. So give us a shout if you're in town. Uh, lastly, uh, if you're someone that already owns a mobile home park, maybe you own one or maybe you own more than one, it d- doesn't really matter the size. doesn't matter how long you've been in the business. We're, looking, we're, we're basically doing a casting call now. We're looking for those that, that are active investors, whether new or seasoned, um, and everything in between that wouldn't mind sharing their story with our listeners. You know, we, we get a lot of value from actually hearing third-party perspectives that are actively involved in this business, and we want to share those stories with the, uh, the rest of the audience. And so if you're someone that owns a park, doesn't matter how experienced you are, um, reach out to us if you'd like to be a guest on the show. We'd love to have your story. love to share it. Um, we, I learn a ton from other people's stories. I mean, you know, you guys get to hear Charles and I go back and forth all the time about our involvement in the business and our, and, you know, the deals that we're doing. But it's always great when you get that third-party perspective. And so we've got some pretty awesome shows coming up. We've just recorded a few over the past couple of weeks um, with ex- existing park owners, and we'll be kind of trickling those out over the next month or two. But we need more. So if you're in the business, you'd like to share your story, shoot us an email, mobilehomeparkacademy at gmail.com and we'd love to talk about having you as a guest on the show. So, uh, Charles, I think that's all the laundry list items, right? That's, we got them all out of the way? Yeah, hopefully. 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> hopefully, I know. I know. I know. I, I, I try to speed through them as fast as possible, but um, it's a necessary <laughs> evil in the beginning. So, well, let's yep. get on to the uh, the topics of the show. And so, I'll talk about the first one here. This this is one that I've been kind of spearheading, and then Charles can talk a little bit more about the. Um, uh, the status change of the park in Florida uh, that we have in contract that's currently illegal today and we're turning it into a legal type status. And so, but the first one here is about a mobile home park that we purchased in North Carolina um, a little over a year ago to where the park has 53 or had 53 or 54 vacant pads and we took it over. Fully developed pads um, that had you know, hookups to them, had, you know, just were ready to be occupied. In fact, a lot of them were occupied many years ago. Um, and so when we bought this park, we were only valuing the park on the existing income itself. I think there were 76 occupied pads in the park and like another 53 that were vacant. And so we only put value on the occupied pads. And so we got the park at a great price, got some great owner financing terms on it. And you know, prior to actually buying it, we spent some time with the city, meeting with the mayor. And we, what we found out is this little town that it's in, uh, they really hate mobile home parks. I mean, they despise mobile home parks. And um, they put a restriction in place. Uh, I don't know how many years prior to us buying this park, but the restriction was basically to restrict any homes that were older than 10 years, meaning that on those empty pads that we had, we could not move in any homes that were older than 10 years of age. Well, if, you're, if you really haven't gotten into this business yet, you haven't bought your first park, then you might not understand this, but it's it's a very capital-intensive play when you got to go out and buy used homes to bring them into your park, okay? Now, there are programs out there like the you know the, the 21st Mortgage and the, and the cash program through Clayton to where you can bring new homes in, which we'll be doing that as well in this park. We'll be bringing new homes in, but you, know, you also want the ability to actually have used homes come in the park. Like, for instance, this park here... Over the past year, we probably turned down three or four people that have wanted to move their older home in. And when I say older, I mean like, you know, late 80s, mid 90s, early 2000s. I mean, you know, still nice homes, pitched roofs, three bedroom, two bath type homes. And we weren't able to allow them to move their home in. I mean, they literally could not move it in. It was restricted. And so, uh, you know, we kind of going into buying this park, we knew that this was going to be a challenge. But we also knew in the back of our mind, like, hey, like we're getting at the right price. And so, like, if the worst case scenario ensues to where we can't, we can't overturn this thing and we can't bring any homes in older than 10 years, then we'll just have to focus on, you know, the cash program, bringing these new homes in. And uh, But we figured we would... We would fight that battle when the time came. And so the time has come. <laughs> the time has come like literally like two months ago. I said, you know what? We, we got this place turned around. It's stabilized. It's doing well. Now we got to figure out what the heck to do with these empty pads. And, um, you know, we want to start allowing people to bring their homes into that park in addition to bringing new homes in through this cash program. And so we uh, we tried one last ditch effort with the city. Uh, in fact, it was me. Um, I, I called up the city. I got the, uh, it's actually the mayor. It's a small town. So I got the mayor, uh, uh, scheduled an appointment, got him on the phone. And I uh, just gave one last ditch effort about this restriction. This kind of, you know, he's, he's seen the changes that have happened over the past year. Um, he's seen all the positive changes that have taken place. I mean, we've turned this place around. It looks a million times better than what it did. It's by far probably the nicest park in this area. And uh, just want to let him know what our intent was moving forward, that we, we really wanted to bring in some used homes and uh, as well as new homes. And so there would be a mixture of the two. And if they would reconsider their age restriction. And um, it, was, it was a very brief conversation. And uh, it was very bluntly, he said no, that they wouldn't, that they spent a lot of time thinking it through, and it's pretty much set in stone. And so after that point in time, I knew that I'd done my research. I knew that there were many other cases in, in other states where restrictions like this had been overturned. And um, I reached out to the Manufactured Housing Association of North Carolina, 
And I got them on the phone and told them the issue and asked if they had any attorney recommendations there in the local market. So they referred to me to, a, to an attorney out of uh, Raleigh-Durham area, uh, Frank Gray, and I called him up. And uh, he actually called me back. He was in Disney World with his family <laughs> when I left him a voicemail. And he called me back and he said... No problem, Kevin. He's like, I think I got the gist of what's going on. We've dealt with this before. And he, and he basically referenced like two recent cases that had happened in the past couple of years where the park owners came out victorious over the local towns or cities that they were in um, regarding age restriction. He said, it shouldn't be a problem whatsoever. Don't be concerned. This shouldn't take more than just a threatening letter. you know." And so that's kind of where we're at at this point in time. We wrote the letter, uh, got a response from the, the town's attorney. And um, what our attorney suggested that we do is uh, is that we actually put together our own proposal as to you know what we'd be willing to do to work with them to show that we're we're trying to comply to a certain extent you know to make sure that we're not going to bring in like the old dilapidated homes but not allow the the city to have full reign over you know what comes in and and you know what doesn't come into our park and so we basically we suggested what we were okay with and um, we're still waiting on an answer back but I'm guessing that. I'm guessing that the the town probably will agree to our terms because I think they're very, very fair, fair, uh, fair terms. And so what we've offered or what we propose to the city is that uh, all the homes uh, must have pitched roofs. Okay, so no, no, like you know, even I, I, Charles, I don't know, are there any eighty models homes that have uh, flat roofs? I don't know if they stopped that in the seventies or if there were some in the eighties that also had flat roofs. Any idea? No idea, but I. I would imagine there was probably an outlier somewhere with a with a flat roof, but yeah. So for the most part, eighties are all, all pitched. pitch roof, right? Yeah. So, but bottom line is, every home has to have a pitch roof that's coming in. Okay, no no flat roofs will be allowed. Um, every home must have a post HUD manufacture date. And so, Charles, what was that? Nineteen seventy six or seventy eight? I always mix up the years on that. Uh, seventy six. Okay, so any home uh, that gets moved into the park, I mean, legally, these things shouldn't even be moved if they don't have that HUD stamp of uh, approval on them. So, but yeah. Uh, some some movers still move these things. I'm sure they do. They get yanked around. But so basically, every home must have that HUD seal on it, um, and all homes must pass an inspection prior to being occupied. You know, by a renter or us selling them. Meaning, like they've got to get a certificate of occupancy, and so they can have the town inspector come through. They can check the electrical. They can check the wiring. They can make sure the hook <clears throat> the hookups are done correctly. Make sure that there's working heat. You know, all that kind of stuff. Make sure that's a habitable unit. So we're okay with them doing that. Um, all homes must have skirting installed. And then also all homes must have stairs at every entry point. And so those are kind of like, that's my basic proposal to them. Like we're willing to, to work with them. We're willing to make sure that every home has skirting, that it has stairs, uh, that they can inspect it before it gets occupied, and um, that has pitch roofs, so no older flat roofs or anything like that. And so I'm waiting to hear back from them. But the attorney feels like um, it should really work in our favor, that, uh, that it probably won't actually go to us uh, taking this to court um, because there's a ton of case law out there that he can reference right in North Carolina um, that would basically it'd be a, it'd be a losing battle for the town to fight us on. And so I guess the moral of the story here is that the first thing is like you really need to do your due diligence prior to buying a park to determine if, if a restriction like this is in place. And I know if you get on like um, the mobile home university, like their forum, you can probably read a lot about this. There's probably multiple other cities and states across the country where restrictions like this are in effect. And so you need to know if you have something like this that's in effect. And, you know, it's your job to determine if you're willing to take on this additional risk or to take on this potential battle with the town or the city if your intent is to bring in used homes. Like if you're buying a park that's got restriction in place, that's got vacant pads, and your goal is to bring in like used homes, um, 
know what kind of battle you're up against. You know, for, for us, we were comfortable with it. We were comfortable with, like, even a worst-case scenario for us is if we lost that battle, we'd still bring in new homes. Uh, we would bring, them in, bring in new homes as we could over time. But even so, like, that, that was kind of like icing on the cake. Like, those vacant pads we were buying were icing on the cake. And, um, you know, the park made sense without us having to occupy those pads. And, uh, you know, just know what you're getting yourselves into and knowing that you're comfortable with the fight that you're going to take on. Like right now, this is a smaller town and, you know, they don't have a lot of funding behind them. That was actually probably one of the big things I wasn't too concerned about with them. Like they, they're, they're, it's a poorly run town and, uh, they kind of have a pro bono attorney and so they're, they don't have a lot of money behind them. And so I wasn't too concerned about the battle because I, I was pretty confident that we would win, especially if we've got a, a big law firm out of Raleigh taking us on. And, um, and I think that's, what's going to happen. So but I'll give you guys an update once we get a little further along, but I'm waiting to hear back from the city now from the city's attorney and uh, we should have an update here in a, in a week or two. But Charles, what, what, any thoughts on that? I know that I haven't really even updated you a lot on this uh, as I've been working through it over the past couple of weeks, but um, you kind of knew this when we were buying this park. You knew that this restriction was in place. In fact, I think you were in one of those first couple of meetings before we bought it with the um, with the town, with the mayor. Mm-hmm. And um, yep. the town is just backwards. It's funny because when we actually asked them produce, to produce the paperwork, the documentation showing about this restriction, they could never produce it. So actually, we thought they were just bluffing for a long time. And then they finally did produce something. <laughs> like a couple months ago, they finally <laughs> they dug it out and they found it. But, um, I mean, what were your thoughts, Charles, before we bought this thing? I mean, were you concerned about this, this restriction? No, I wasn't, I wasn't overly concerned about it. I mean, you know, again, they were a really small town. They were, they were a super small town and, um, you know, the, the, their, their little age restriction, it really doesn't make any sense. Uh, the reasoning behind why they put it in place. So, um, yeah, I, I didn't have any concerns with it. And honestly, even with the cash program, uh, that, that park will do very well, even if we lose this fight. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't ultimately, it doesn't really change whether or not we would have done the deal or not, but uh, it would be nice to win this fight right here and, and, mm-hmm. and be able to, to bring in uh, those used homes as, as customers come to us and want to move their home in. Yep, yep, absolutely. In fact, let me, uh, I'm going to read this letter real quick because it's a really short letter. You know, it's it's funny. I, I was having, I was joking with my wife the other day. We or the other week, we read through this letter together, and I read it to her. And I'm like, it's amazing how articulate attorneys can be. Like, I need to start take. I need to take a couple of those college classes that they've gone through to actually uh, to, to write some of these letters that they write because it's it's worded really well. I don't think I would ever be able to come up with a uh, a letter as eloquent <laughs> as this one. <laughs> it's it's really short to the point, but it gets the point across. And so, and I'm going to reference that he references one of these cases here in a county in North Carolina. I know I'm going to screw up the actual pronunciation of this county, um, but so bear with me, guys. If you live in this county, don't get offended because I just don't know how to pronounce it. But basically, it goes on to say, uh, Dear Mayor Enoch, uh, this firm represents Green Level Mobile Home Park. It has come to our attention uh, that the town has an ordinance that imposes a 10-year age limit on manufactured homes being located in the community. Please be aware that such an ordinance provision has been declared unlawful in North Carolina. In 2009, in the case of 5Cs versus Pasquotank County, the North Carolina Court of Appeals ruled that a 10-year age limit on manufactured homes exceeded the county's authority and could not be enforced. Please understand that my clients are not interested in locating substandard and dilapidated homes in their manufactured home community. To the contrary, they are interested in only having homes that are in good quality and attractive in appearance. A 10-year age limit is arbitrary and has no rational connection to quality. Similar to a site-built home, a manufactured home that has been well taken care of, 
or an older home that has been refurbished can be attractive and provide quality housing and affordable cost regardless of age. I would request that the opportunity to meet with you and your staff or participate in a conference call to discuss how to best resolve this situation. So just, I mean, and it really is, that really is the truth. I mean, there really should be no age restriction. I mean, mobile homes don't have like a shelf life. If they're maintained, they can last forever. I mean, they've got steel frames and they've got, you know, uh, you know, a lot of them have metal, the old ones have metal paneling on the outside. They're almost kind of like bomb proof. You know, they've got like metal sheathing on the outside. They've got, you know, wood studs in the walls. And I mean, they're, they're not built exactly the same as a home, but they're definitely, if they're maintained, they can last a very long time. And we have a park, Charles, that has some, I don't know what the oldest home is we have in that Virginia park, but I think there definitely is one in there. It's like early 60s model. I mean, it's old. And oh, that, um, that one on lot 14 that we just sold, we, that, was, that, that home we sold, that was the first home we ever sold out of that park. Uh, and then we bought it back from the person who bought it from us, and we sold it again within a couple of days. Uh, that home is a 1960 it's oh my a 1960 gosh. model home. And it looked great. It's actually yeah, probably it one of the nicer homes <laughs> in that park. I mean, it had been refurbished. A new kitchen was put in over the years. I think the configuration was changed up uh, over time. And it was a really good looking, uh, really good looking home. And I mean, that's it's 50, 57 years old. I mean, you know, so these things can last a really long time. I mean, putting an age restriction like that in place, really, it's just unconstitutional. And it, and it basically prohibits those that need affordable housing, it, it prohibits them from getting it, you know, and um, that's what we want to offer. That's why we're in this business. We want to provide clean, safe, and quiet affordable housing to people that need it. And uh, so hopefully um, we'll work through that with the city. We'll give you guys an update as to how that goes, but I'm pretty confident that we're going to win that one. So, uh, but Charles, let's talk about uh, the second thing on the agenda today, which is the park up in uh, Orange City that we have in contract. We've been, we've had in contract now for a few months. Um, and why don't you kind of give the listeners a background as to what's happening with that park, um, how you've been working through it, um, and uh, just r- really the overview of the entire situation. Sure. Yeah, that, that property was, uh, it was brought to us by, um, it's another partner of ours that we, we kind of partner in and out of, out of deals with. But um, he brought it to us. It's, it was listed by a broker. And uh, basically, we went, we went under contract. It, initially, it seemed like the seller, what he wanted was a quick closing. I'm not sure whether he was trying to hide this this zoning issue or, or, or what the reasoning behind the quick closing was necessarily. But um, so we agreed to basically go under contract. We had 45 days to close. So that that's encompassing all of our diligence and our financing uh, portion of it. Um, but the first day we were in diligence, I called the planning and zoning department and they told me that the park was illegal. So basically if a, if a hurricane had come through, um, that the park could not be replaced. They weren't going to shut the park down, but they wouldn't allow it to be replaced if, if, a, if something happened to it. Um, so that pretty much stops everything in its tracks right there. When you hear something like that, you have to, uh, address that issue before you can move forward. So what we did, um, and basically, I guess the background of this is that it had uh, the park was built in the '60s, and the codes were all established in the '80s. So, in reality, we probably could have fought this in court, uh, and that would be the normal course of events that you would you would take. Is that when you hear something like that, you would go and fight that in court, as opposed to doing what we're doing in this case? Because it's grandfathered. Um, I mean, technically, it should right. be grandfathered, right? Yeah, it's a it's a clear violation of grandfathering laws. They they. Um, they made up laws in the 80s that uh, now 
basically make the park illegal, even though the park was built 20 years prior. So they would they would definitely lose that case in court. But the problem with going to court is is it's very expensive. And you usually have to go through a couple of different layers of the court system to get to the Supreme Court level, where you can probably get your decision the the one that would that would uh, that would ultimately fly. So there's been I think nine states that have overturned rulings exactly like this. Florida is one of them. Um, so you you could easily win this in court, but it might cost you many thousands of dollars to do so. So in this case, the other option was they wanted us to basically submit a site plan. Um, into a planned unit development, which is essentially a, a $1,000 permit fee. So we give them $1,000. It was a money-making scheme, I think, for the city. But they want us to give, us, give them $1,000, we'll submit a site plan, they approve it, and then everything's good. Um, and the thing that really tipped the scales for us in, in this case was that Sun Communities, which is a large public REIT, uh, they have a park that's down the street from this park, and they're going through the same exact thing. So instead of fighting it in court, they're actually going to do the the planned unit development. So we decide to kind of piggyback on what they're doing, and uh, and go forward with doing our basically get a survey to, to establish our site plan, fill out an application, and give the city a thousand dollars. And that that's that's the end of it right there. Mm-hmm. Um, Hey guys, Kevin Bupp here from the Mobile Home Park Academy. I'm very sorry for interrupting your show, but I have something really special I'd like to share with you. If you haven't heard already, Charles and I are offering something really cool here at the Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast, and I just wanted to make sure that you knew about it. We're offering a free 30-minute phone consultation with the two of us, where you can ask us anything that you like about mobile home park investing. Maybe you're brand new and you just have a few questions that you'd like answered. Or maybe you want to run a deal past us and have us help you walk through the evaluation process. Or maybe you're an already experienced park owner and you just want to bounce a few ideas off of us. Whatever it is, Charles and I, we're very excited to speak with you. And there's absolutely no ulterior motive with these calls, so you don't need to worry about us trying to upsell you or pitch you on some kind of product or service. These calls are simply our way of giving back and connecting with others who share our same passion for this business. And just to reiterate, it doesn't matter if you're brand new or a seasoned investor. These calls are open to everyone. But there is one catch. It has to relate to mobile home parks. And so if you'd like to schedule that free 30-minute call with Charles and I, please send an email to freecall at mobilehomeparkacademy.com. Again, free call at mobilehomeparkacademy.com, and almost immediately you'll receive an email back with a link to our calendar. And if you haven't received that email within five minutes or so, be sure to check your junk folder, okay? Sometimes it ends up there. And when you go to schedule that time on our calendar, please include a little background on yourself as well as what you'd like to discuss on our call, but please be sure that it relates to mobile home parks. Charles and I really look forward to connecting with you, and we look forward to helping you in your journey to success as a mobile home park investor. Now let's get back to the show. So talk to me, Charles, talk a little bit about your, I guess, how this went down with um, between the broker and the seller, because so we've got a broker that brought it to our side, but then there's also the seller's broker and then the seller himself. So there's like multiple layers in between us, the buyer and the seller. And um, I know one of the brokers, I believe it was a seller's broker, not really an experienced mobile home park broker and just um, somewhat of a challenge to deal with. So Explain a little bit of how you were able to smooth this over and get the seller to agree to allow us the time to make these these changes. Because in his mind, initially, at least from the broker's perspective, his broker's perspective, this was this didn't need to be done. This this didn't have to happen before the closing. He didn't see it as a viable way, a viable reason for us to have to extend things. Right? Yeah, I just uh, 
I really just simply explained to the seller. The seller is somewhat sophisticated that he he owns some other types of real estate. This is the only park that he owns, but it's he owns some other types of real estate, some triple net lease stuff, and uh, so he's fairly sophisticated. He kind of he kind of gets it. So it's a little bit easier for me to 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 kind of explain this to him. But um, it, did you get him on the phone directly? I got him on the phone directly with both brokers. Okay. So it was it was the four of us together. Uh, but but just to give you an idea of how bank financing works, a, a bank is going to do the exact same steps that I took, calling planning and zoning, all the other departments. Um, and you know, no bank in their right mind is going to they're going to they're going to call planning and zoning. They're going to hear this that the park is illegal, that it can't be replaced if it's ever destroyed. And no bank in their right mind is ever going to lend you money on that park. Now. It may have happened at some point in history. Like he bought the, this guy bought the park in two thousand six, two thousand seven, uh, when when money was pretty much easy to come by back in those days. Could, I guess you could you could sneeze and get a million dollar loan. <laughs> yeah. So you know maybe maybe it worked out fine for him in that case, but for us now in this day and age, um, if a bank calls planning and zoning and gets that get that kind of news, they're going to turn you away. Mm-hmm. So you know I just kind of I went through those things. Actually, the bank that currently held financing turned us away because of this issue and that really helped us in this in this conversation uh so i i basically told him the bank that he currently had financing with turned us away because the park couldn't be replaced it's illegal so our proposal was is that we we fix the underlying issue that we'll pay for it we'll go ahead and pay to have the the survey done since we're going to do a survey anyways um we'll get the survey that needs to be done for the application which is a little bit above and beyond what you need for a bank uh, for bank financing, but we'll do that. We'll submit the application, and um, and I'll make sure that I follow up and continue to push it through all the different layers that it has to go through in order to get the final approval. Uh, and we'll take that on ourselves because one thing the owner didn't have, he didn't have time, and uh, you know he he wanted he really wanted to get rid of this park. So if we could solve his issue with time, he doesn't have time to deal with this issue, and he wants to get rid of the park. If we're doing both of those things, then then he's fine with us uh, delaying the closing all the way through whenever it happens is basically where we're at now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, initially we had thought that this guy had – he wanted to close before January 1st. Uh, we thought there was some kind of tax, tax implication, but there really wasn't. Um, so a lot of the things that we thought about this seller weren't – didn't initially – what we initially thought didn't turn out to be true. Really, he just didn't have time to deal with it, and he wants the thing to close. So – we're kind of moving towards that. It was it was pretty easy to get once he understood the issue and what we're going to do to to solve it. Um, he he was on board with us uh, being able to maybe change the contract a little bit and and be able to move forward the the way that we're doing it right now. Mm-hmm. So, what's the moral of the story for the listeners out there that might run into something like this in the future? Be brutally honest. Um, I could have sugarcoated a lot of what was going on. Um, just. You know, just lay lay all your cards out on the table when you have something like that, and and also make sure you offer a solution. Uh, don't just tell the the seller about a problem. That's probably one of the most annoying things you can do to anybody is to tell them they have a problem, <laughs> and then not offer a solution. So make sure that you also offer the solution. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, no, that that's great advice. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we, I think um, one of our other partners came up with the acronym FIO, and I'm like, what's that mean? Figure it out. <laughs> and then he, he keeps telling <laughs> our managers, FIO, FIO, figure it out. Stop. Don't come to me with a complaint or, or, or an issue or concern or something that's going on in the park. Like, figure it out. Get resourceful. 
you know, put some common sense into it. So that's funny. All right. Well, good deal. So that part and that parks, you know, some parks might not be worth all the brain damage, right? I mean, if that park was a, if it was thin in terms of like, in, in terms of like the, the returns or the yield that we might get from it, or if it was kind of a, eh, okay kind of deal, then we would, maybe we wouldn't go through this whole headache, right? We wouldn't go through this whole process and actually be willing to put up money up front that we're risking losing, you know, if we decide not, not to buy or if something goes astray during this process. But um, this park we felt is a good enough deal. In fact, it's a phenomenal deal. Um, and uh, yeah, it's definitely it, worth the risk. So Yeah, I mean, that, that park, we're buying that thing at a – we have it under contract right now at a true nine cap, which is very difficult to find in Florida and and some of the when you talk about primary and secondary markets in Florida, uh, nine doing a true nine cap is very it's very difficult to do. Um, and in addition to that, we've got the ability to submeter uh, to build back for our water and sewer, which is going to push it well over a ten cap. And we've also got about ninety dollars of room on our lot rent. Mm-hmm. Uh, that park's actually going into our fund, so that's uh, that one's going to be a home run. Yeah, yeah, that one will be a home run, and and uh, it's already what is it like? I think there's only one vacancy in that in that entire place. It's uh, I forget how many sixty some odd pads, but only one vacancy. So I mean, it's it's basically full. Mm-hmm. It's a stabilized park for all intents and purposes that needs very very little work. It's just some road repair here and there, but other than that, it's a very stabilized park and a great market, great market. So, yeah. Charles, anything else that we want to talk about here uh, regarding those two topics? I mean, I think we've we're pretty clear cut with it. I mean, really, it just at the end of the day, it's just uh, do your homework. I mean, this is this is why due diligence is so vitally important. I mean, you need to know these things going into buying a park. You need to know all the what ifs, and these are two big ones, right? I mean, these these are two that if you didn't know they existed, I mean, assuming that you could get financing, let's, let's just make the assumption, Charles, that on this park here, you you went to a local bank, and there's a chance that local bank doesn't do all their own due diligence. They don't do a good job of due diligence, and they finance you in this park. A hurricane comes through, wipes it out, and then you come to find out that you, you now you're about to get into a legal battle because the courts are saying, no, you can't put any homes back on there. And then the legal battle ensues, all while you have a note that still do on a park that's producing no income. That's a really ugly situation to be in. And uh, I mean, that's, that's, it doesn't really get any worse than that. And so that's the worst case scenario with that one. If you wouldn't have done your due diligence on the front end, you would have got into this thing or the, you know, the age restriction issue, you know, like we already knew about it going in, we did our due diligence and we determined that it was well worth the risk. And we had a backup plan. We said, you know what? Well, if worst case scenario is we can't bring any used homes in. Well, then we just bring new homes in, and uh, the park still makes a ton of sense, even without any homes in there. Just with the you know the current occupancy of what we bought it at, it still makes a ton of sense. And so, in that one, we got a pretty long balloon on the notes on our finance note, and so we have plenty of time to actually make this thing happen, like to actually fill in those vacant paths. And so, we've got many years to do it, and so we already we. we pre-plan for all this stuff. And so it's just, it's, it's it, I guess, again, the moral of the story is do your due diligence. Don't skip anything. Like Charles says, be brutally honest and just get everything out in the open, get it all out on the table because it's those little skeletons in the closet, like the tiny ones that cause the biggest problems. And so you just want to lay it all out in the line. And um, it, it, I think that's, it's tougher said than done, Charles, when you're first getting into this business, because it takes a while to get your first deal. And then like, you might have a deal under contract that looks amazing and you're so excited, but then there's like this one looming factor of like, oh, this is one little thing that's bothering me about this, but it's such a good deal otherwise, you know, like, cause sometimes you just got to walk away from stuff. Sometimes it just makes sense to walk away from a deal, you know, like, mm-hmm. if, the, if that underlying factor is too much of a risk. And so, um, but anyway, you want to know what all those risks are up front. And so, you know, whether or not it's a, it's a risk worth taking on. So any other thoughts yep. on it? Yeah. I want to add one last thing on the orange city, on the orange city deal. Um, 
you know, what we talked about here, that's, that's not typical. Uh, that's, I would never recommend, I would never initially recommend anyone to go through and do this type of plan unit development thing with a city. Um, cause typically you want to, you want to always fight them, uh, when it, when it comes to this kind of thing, because a lot of times when you, when you submit to what they're, what they're having you do, it sort of ruins your court case. Uh, when you actually do, if you, if you did have to go back and fight them, let's say the, the plan unit development didn't go through, and then you had to go back and fight them, then it does actually damage your court case a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of the things that we did is we contacted a, a number of attorneys to get their legal opinion to see if it would damage our case any. Um, and, and I guess the, the way that we're doing it, 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 their opinion was that it wouldn't too badly. But, you know, when you come across these issues, nine times out of ten, you're probably going to have to go to court over it. That's, that's probably the best thing you can do. In this case, it was just a money-making scheme by the city. And... Uh, uh, so far, it looks like they're just—they're basically having everyone do this, and then they're just passing it through, and uh, and then and then making it legal as long as you produce the thousand dollars for them. So, you know, definitely need to understand the situation. This is not the typical way you would handle that, but um, you know, in this case, we're going to do the, the do the opposite of what you would normally do. But you know, the funny thing is about this business, Charles, is uh, I feel like there's almost <laughs> everything in this industry is case by case scenario. <laughs> you know, it's just it's a it's a it's some of a wild wild west industry still. I mean, it's not it is, yeah. it's not as structured as like you. Okay, I'm gonna go buy a shopping center. I mean, that, it's that's such a cut and dry industry. Mobile home parks are just all over the board. I mean, every town and every city, every county, every local municipality treats them differently or they interpret, you know, the, the laws differently or the, the codes differently or the, I mean, it's just every single situation is a case by case scenario, which can be frustrating at sometimes, but you know, once you run through due diligence, you know, a few different times on some parks and you actually, you know, take every step going through that process, it just, you're going to do it anyway. So you, you'll find out these different things and you'll kind of learn how to deal with each individual situation as they come along. So, and that's what Charles and I are here for anyway. I mean, we're literally, as you're going through those different steps uh, throughout the process of buying your first park, or maybe it's your 10th park, whatever, whatever stage you're in of your business. I mean, that's what we're here for as well. I mean, we're, we're here to help you guys and to help you walk through those steps and make sure you get through them successfully. So if you ever have anything like that, uh, any, any, any challenges, uh, just, you know, reach out to us. I mean, we do these free 30 minute phone calls. I mean, that, that call just right there could be used for a situation like that. If you've got a park and a contract, you want to talk about it, maybe there's some underlying issues. Um, let's chat about it. I mean, we're here to help, right? Charles, I mean, that's, we, we talk about this into our faces yeah. blue. So, but we're here to help you guys. So, yeah, there, there's, um, you know, this park, we probably, probably two year two or three years ago, we would have come across this same thing. We might've given up on it a lot easier than we will nowadays. So, mm-hmm. You know, we would have lost a great deal if we would have yeah. uh, if we would have given it up on it just just based on that. Yeah. Another thing to do, uh, you know, lean on your state associations. Every state has, you know, a manufactured housing association. Lean on those people uh, when you come across challenges. You know, lean on them to help you solve some of those state specific challenges and point you in the direction of good attorneys to use. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'd be another good tip for for those kind of issues. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I think that's all we have, then, Charles. Right. Yep, that's pretty much it. Well, good deal, guys. Well, thanks for joining us today. And just uh, real quick before we say goodbye, I want to remind you about the free gift that Charles and I offer to everyone that goes to iTunes and leaves a five-star rating and review for the show. Uh, We will give you the exact cold call script that we use in our very own mobile home park business. And what you'll need to do is uh, to redeem that free gift from us after you leave that review in iTunes, go ahead and send us an email to gift at mobilehomeparkacademy.com and just tell us who you are and what screen name that you use to leave that review. And we'll go ahead and send out that free gift to you. 
Also, be sure to stop by the Mobile Home Park Academy website, mobilehomeparkacademy.com. You can listen to all of our previous podcast shows as well as download a copy of our free ebook, The 21 Biggest Mistakes Investors Make When Purchasing Their First Mobile Home Park and How to Avoid Them. And um, it really is required read. It's, it's free. You really have nothing to lose. And um, and Charles, I've even verified this now because we've interviewed a few people that are listeners <laughs> to the show that own parks. And I asked them, have you downloaded this book? They said, yes, it's definitely it's definitely worthy of downloading. So uh, if you guys haven't downloaded it yet and you're interested in this business, you definitely want to read through it before you start looking for your first park. So go to the website, get that ebook, And uh, that's all we have, Charles. So uh, I'm going to say goodbye now. This is your host, Kevin Bupp. And Charles Dehart Signing off. Congratulations for taking the necessary steps to achieving massive success through the highly lucrative niche of mobile home park investing. Be sure to visit our website, mobilehomeparkacademy.com, to download your free digital ebook version of the 21 biggest mistakes investors make when buying their first mobile home park and how you can avoid them. And while you're there, be sure to subscribe to our free monthly mobile home park investing newsletter which is jammed full of valuable tips, tricks, and strategies to help you accelerate your path to success as a mobile home park investor. More information about this podcast and its hosts can be found by visiting mobilehomeparkacademy.com.